and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Permanent. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Jace Lasik and Olga Gorius of rock band The Besnard Lakes. Hailing from Canada, the Besnard Lakes have been known for their expansive, dense, spacey, atmospheric, noir-influenced take on rock music. They've put out several albums and have a new one coming out this month on January 29th called The Besnard Lakes Are the Last of the Great Thunderstorm Warnings. In this chat, Jace and Olga and I discuss the inception of the album, what went into it, what some of the underlying themes were, as well as what led to that lengthy, strange title. We also talk about the way they use music to kind of process and respond to life's struggles and questions. We discuss what it's been like for them to be working so independently for so many years, including recording almost all of their albums in their own studio. We talk about what they've been up to during quarantine, as well as what their hopes are for the future, including the future of live music. So thank you for listening, and please enjoy. This is me meeting the Besnard Lakes. I assume this doing? is Jace. Yeah. Olga's hi, here how, too. Oh, hi, Olga. I'm glad you're both here. <laughs> she sounds she sounds like she's doing something in the background. <laughs> she's making a drink. Well, yeah, Ooh. just a quick little critique. Festive. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, hi. Thank you. Uh thank you for for coming in tonight. Yeah, no problem. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good, all things considered. Mm, I know. I was going to ask how the how these uh, months have been treating you. I mean, not bad. I mean, it really kind of in the. I mean, it it it, it causes everybody to change what they're doing, right? You kind of drop everything and 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 reconfigure, and I guess in a sense, it's been it's been okay. And in, in that way, I was mixing a lot uh at my studio in montreal and we have a place in uh about 40 45 minutes outside of montreal where we live now and so when the lockdown happened i just started working from home and Mm. i didn't think that that would be something that i would be able to do but it turns out that uh i was able to figure out a way to work from home uh where I think I'm actually making better mixes than I ever have. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I spent all this time making a recording studio in Montreal, and now I'm hardly ever there, so. (laughs) Well, I mean, can you record from home? Yes, I can record from home, but not really. I mean, I still need the studio for for tracking bands and stuff like that, so I still go in, but now all all my mixing is, is, is done from home. So it's nice. I mean, in the... The summertime, we, you know, we have a garden here. And so we were able to like tend our garden and, you know, do do things around the house because we couldn't really go anywhere. So, you know, yeah. we, the one big thing that we missed uh, is uh, every year we actually go to Besnard Lake. Oh, and yeah. We have a, a permanent campsite there. And this year, um, we usually go and stay there for a month and, you know, turn off the, the, the data and the cell phone. I mean, there's, you can't get, there's no cell phone range <laughs> up there anyways. <laughs> so, but this year we didn't have that. So it's, it stings a little bit knowing that this is the first 20 some years that we haven't been to Besnard Lake Oh wow! this year. So that was, that was a bit tough, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to go next year. I know. So <laughs> you go in the summer, I'm, I'm hoping by next summer it's, okay yes (laughs) let's cross our fingers no i know i keep hoping and hoping i just saw in the news today that we should all be good by spring (laughs) let's hope of course yeah Yeah. obviously (laughs) because it feels so optimistic out there right now um i mean it does like i keep seeing things in the news about you know the you know pfizer's vaccines and yeah 
all these things that are supposed to be coming. I just think what's, um, I, I have this theory that as soon as Trump leaves office, the coronavirus is just going to go away. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> funny because that's what he's been promising would happen this whole time. It's just going to go away. <laughs> we'll see though. I don't know. I know it is. It's so funny. Um, I, I live in Connecticut where Pfizer is. So it's, it's so funny when I'm like, oh, I live there. Like we, we're, we don't, you know, things from here don't make the news that often. So can you, just, nice. can you, can you just go down to the end of the street and get like a, a vaccine from the warehouse? Oh, I <laughs> couldn't tell you. I haven't tried. <laughs> I know a lot of people are nervous to take like the first round of them, but yes, once they're around, I, I, I feel like I'm going to want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows with vaccines, it's like, I know. Uh, I feel like in this part of the pandemic, people maybe should take the, I don't know. We're going to find out. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I know they said, hopefully by spring, it should be, it should be around. So hopefully we'll start seeing if the world will be going back to normal soon. Wow. Whatever normal is now. I don't even know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows anymore either. I know. People keep talking about there being some sort of after as opposed to going back to before. So we'll see what that means. Yeah. I mean, maybe all the skyscrapers will finally get to torn down because everybody's there. All the offices are going to be empty. People are going to be like, I'm not going back to work. Why would I go I back to work? I'll you know, work from I, home. Yeah. I have, I have friends who um, have been working from home this entire time and their jobs seem to be of that mind of like, wait, I guess we kind of can let all these people work from home. Yeah. So you don't really need to go in. I have, I have a friend who works from home and the only drawback is uh, she doesn't ever feel like she's not working. Yeah, I could see people, that. People kind of feel like they can contact her at all hours and she's had to like set, <laughs> you know, this certain like, I, I'm on from nine till five, like every other day in the old, in the old days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm off. But I mean, some people will be emailing her at like six o'clock, 530 saying, can you do this? Because they know that they can because they're technically, you know, quote unquote in the office, you know? Right. So. Yeah. I guess if you were in the office at six o'clock, it's one thing, but yeah, being home, it's, I don't know. Yeah. yeah the separation. It's so important, but it's also kind of hard to establish, I guess. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm a teacher, so I have not, I have not mostly been working from home, although we are currently, um, we actually just started a two week like quarantine remote thing, um, What's this it? week. What's it like as a teacher? Uh, it's really weird. Doing, doing Zoom, <laughs> yeah, doing Zoom stuff like. Yeah, we use Google Meet, and uh, okay. none of the, none of the kids turn their cameras on. Because <laughs> we, uh, you know, I understand. It's really, it's very quite strange. Um, and like it's, but it's interesting because they all talk about how, or you know, eighty percent of them talk about how much they prefer to be in class because even with the masks and everything they still like want to be around people but then I'm like okay well we can turn our cameras on and like look at each other and <laughs> they all say no they're not there like they're totally not there are they? <laughs> no they're not no there oh yet. no I'm, I'm fully like under, I'm, I'm fully under the assumption that at least a fifth of my class is missing at any given time and I don't even know <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. We talk into the void and we get, you know, they they chat in the in the in the text chat. They respond to me that way, but yeah, it's very strange. Um in some ways I don't mind it. They're, you know, kids these days are extremely online, so they're kind of more themselves this way. Mm -hmm. Um like they're a lot less inhibited through the 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 chat. They're very funny and they like, you know, make fun of each other in a nice way and they're yeah. very outgoing. And then in the room, it's like, no one wants to say anything. So in that sense, mm -hmm. I kind of like seeing them out of their shell a little bit more, but yeah, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't I have, really, I never really. It makes sense, that. but uh, yeah, it makes sense, but I, I, I wasn't anticipating it for, for some reason. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. mostly been really weird. We're supposed to go back the Monday after Thanksgiving, but I, I don't think, I have a feeling we're not going to. And by the time this airs, it'll be January. So we'll know by then. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everything's getting worse. Every night on the news, it's getting worse. So I don't, I don't see why we suddenly would be yeah. going back after a two-week yeah. quarantine now. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's getting worse up here too. Yeah, I was going to say our infection rate for the state went down today, but I think the country's at like four right now or something. Yeah. Which is pretty high for the whole country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 4%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, 4% of the population? I, it's something, or maybe it's 4% of, you know, who gets tested because they yeah can't oh, they can't yeah. measure yeah they can't measure who doesn't get tested but like yesterday connecticut's was i think like seven something and today it was four something okay so it's huh. it's going up though so i don't know i think it's just gonna be a hard winter no <laughs> oh, it's crazy i know it's so weird it is really weird and it's been so long i was so, like this has been someone i saw on twitter the other day i was like this god this is the longest march of my life like <laughs> it just doesn't end <laughs> and I, for, I forget who I was talking to for the show recently, but they were just kind of l- lamenting over the fact that 2020 really has been like one thing after another. So yeah, hopefully 2021 true. is better. Hopefully this idiot gets the fuck out of his job and <laughs> we can all move <laughs> and we can all move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that'll help. I hope. Um, I- think it might like i said it's gonna just disappear yeah it's gonna it's gonna follow him out of the white house from your words (laughs) to the scientist's ears yeah (laughs) yeah all right so just tell him that's all the science yeah (laughs) he said it's gonna follow you out um All right, so you guys, uh, the Besnard Lakes, of which you are two members, um, obviously, you have a record coming out in January on the 19th. I think this will go up before then, so it's not going to be weird that I'm saying it's coming out, but it's probably about to come out if you're listening to this now. Um, On Fat Cat in the U.S. anyway, I'm not sure where it's coming out elsewhere. Um, Uh, Full-time hobby in the the U.K. and Europe and Flemish Eye in Canada. Oh, okay um fat cat new it's that's a new label for you guys isn't it yes it is yeah, yeah. You, uh your previous ones were jag jag correct yeah that's correct. Yeah. yeah so this new record the besnard lakes are the last of the great thunderstorm warnings um longest title you guys have had yet great <laughs> <laughs> um also f- finishes with the longest song you guys have made yet i think yes um, I haven't heard the record yet, um, but I and I don't remember where I saw the track durations, but I know I saw that the last one is almost 20 minutes long, um, yes. which has me very excited, to be honest. Actually, it's it, it's infinite. Oh, on the does vinyl. it loop? Does on it loop vinyl. back? It's an endless groove on the vinyl. Oh, see that? I'm okay. That's exciting. Yeah, it never ends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The, yeah. the reason the reason why the digital is that long is because well, I, I, on the vinyl, the song ends. The last song is called "The Last of the Great Thunderstorm Warnings," and and it, when it ends, it uh, it sort of folds into a drone, mm. and the drone carries you back into your afterlife, <laughs> and then on the vinyl, it takes you into an endless uh, an, uh, an endless groove which is kind of like an endless space <laughs> so when i so when i am like lying on my couch and playing it i'm just i'm never gonna get up that's correct okay that's the i intention. guess that's the goal <laughs> yeah yeah the intention is to listen front to back and uh fall asleep halfway through and wake <laughs> wake up two hours later and wonder why it's still playing yeah i'm gonna think i'm in a dream or something but yes I hope although so. now i know now i'm aware so maybe yeah. maybe I'll, I'll come to my senses a little more quickly <laughs> um so i just i just think it's it's kind of uh humorous this is your third album with you guys declaring what you are yeah um the first one, 2007, Besnard Lakes are the Dark Horse, um, which was sort of like your big breakout album. That's a, that's when I found out about you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2010s are the Roaring Night. Um, then you took two albums off. I guess you were content with being the Roaring Night. Um, but why? What does this mean? <laughs> it's like, that's a good one. Then. Let's let's just because um, like now it will have been 11 years later. So what what does it mean that you are? The last of the does it mean anything that you are the last of the great thunderstorm warnings? I mean, it does. Like we, you know, we had taken a a, a long time off, and uh, you know, the when I was growing up, 
in in Saskatchewan, like on the prairies up here in Canada, uh, before there were you know cell phones and and weather networks and all that. <laughs> <laughs> they were, when I was a kid uh, on the TV, they would flash. Uh, like it would take you from your regularly scheduled programming and and flash this really weird blue and red screen with lettering text on it telling you that there was a severe thunderstorm warning about to happen. And when I was a kid, because you know we're you know you're on the prairies and the, you know there's not a lot of things to do, there's no internet or no cell phone, and so you get bored. And so when those things happened, when the thunderstorms the warnings happened I actually I remember feeling really excited about it like it kind of got me you know kind of giddy I mean it's a really you know dark thing to to get <laughs> giddy about but at, at that and, and I'm thinking about it later I kind of realized that it was one of the things that kind of makes you feel alive is this like you know this like fearful thing that's about to happen but it's also like it's you know, it's like the awesome force of nature. Um, you know, they, they, there's probably actually like electricity in the air if it's a severe thunderstorm warning. So you're, you know, you're kind of, you kind of feel the, the static in a way. Uh, and so when we were naming this title, it was like, I kind of felt like these days where everything's, you know, everything's happening so quickly and uh, every, every everybody's on the phones and like the, the there's like all this immediate gratification. I kind of harken back to this idea of it being like you know this this idea that you're finally feeling alive for a for a split second, and we're we want the record to be kind of the you know the last of that. Like it's the last of the the long form albums nobody's really making long form albums anymore but we don't really care we want I, I we want people to listen to the record from beginning to end we had this idea when we first were, were speaking to the labels about uh releasing the whole album as just one single track that you would buy on you know spotify or just stream or whatever and obviously it would have been like a 70 minute long track or something <laughs> that we would sell for like 99 cents. And they were just like, no, you can't do that. That's just not, that's just not possible. I mean, that's not just how you little, play the streaming game these it's days. It's how you play the streaming game these days, boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they yeah. just said uh, no to that, which was, I guess, probably an all right idea. But I, I we, we wanted this record to be like, uh, we want it to be, it's, it, it's, all of our records are sort of based in a concept and this album is, is not outside of that. And we just wanted people to understand that it was, uh, it, it, it's something that we hope that people will put it on and listen to all the way through. Um, I mean, everybody's, you know, going to have songs that they like more than others, but the, our intention and the reason why it, took so long for us to put this out is because we we went through a bunch of iterations of this record because we had the time to do it mm -hmm. uh, making the making the sequence and creating the songs that helped rec the record flow from one end to the other uh in a way that we thought you know served the long form album in its you know in it in its dying dying years <laughs> yeah it is a weird time to be releasing albums like you guys release especially one that i i think it, if i'm correct in saying it's your longest album yet um yes. so you guys were trying then to kind of create as much of an album as you could create it sounds like oh yeah i mean it's always the it's always our mandate like we're never i mean Probably Coliseum, the record we made last, was probably the only record we've done where we were sort of more song-based as an overarching, like thinking about the, the flow of the album. Uh, mm -hmm. Those songs were shorter. Uh, we were, you know, trying to sort of see if it was uh, almost as an act. 
exercise for us to see uh, how we could, if, you know, if it was if we were actually capable of writing shorter songs. Uh, and it was fun, and we were, and we and we we liked that, and it was a fun exercise. But you know, once 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 that record was done, and we went through that, we were like, let's just make something that's. And it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. Let's make the long form, you know, dark side of the moon, you know, laser guided melody, spiritualized laser guided melodies, you know, Beach mm -hmm. Boys, you know, smile. Let's try to make that long form continuous album that flows that we've always tried to achieve, but never done it in this in this way. Yeah. So all the songs go to they they seamless. Do they seamlessly go together? Most of them do, yeah. There, okay. there. Some of them do have breaks, but we put the the breaks in there just to kind of almost like a breath, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're they do have uh, they do flow into each other a lot of them. So you mentioned that your albums usually do have some sort of conceptual framework. Um, what were some of the sort of fueling ideas for you guys behind this one, besides the thunderstorm, uh, titular thunderstorm morning? <laughs> <laughs> this one's mostly about death. death. Oh, that's my favorite topic. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, we always, I mean, this about, you know, I'm a big Prince fan and he passed away a few years ago and that really affected me. And then last year my dad passed away. And so, and I mean, in, uh, in, uh, when we did UFO, that song was, uh, uh, that album was about Augie's dad passing away. So this album was sort of uh, speaking a lot to that, like just the idea of like uh, everybody being subjected to uh, the idea of death because, you know, you, your, your friends are going to die, your parents are going to die, you're going to die your wife, your husband, you know, they're all, you know, your friends. Yeah. There's <laughs> they're all, all, gonna all gonna die. die. Everybody's gonna die. <laughs> and as you get older, you start to realize that that's like a pretty heavy thing to, and you, you don't think about it too much. And so this album is kind of the, uh, the process of like going through, you know, going from life to near death to death and then coming back again on the other side, wherever that is and whatever that is. And just the contemplation of uh, trying to, to be okay with that because it's something that, you know, we have to be okay with because it's the only thing that keeps changing is this mm -hmm. idea. Everybody just on the earth just dies and is born again. And, and then a bunch of people die and a bunch of people are born. It just gets a, just a big, you know, cycle. Yeah, and and that's kind of what the record is is, and that's why we have the endless groove at the end that, that create this sort of infinite. I mean, I hate having to explain it to. I'm hoping everybody doesn't. We'll just censor this part. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what the record's about. <laughs> but and then Augie named like Augie helped with the sequence. So she always helps to get the sequence sorted out so it it flows properly. And then we have four sides of vinyl, and so she. Uh, uh, aptly named them. Uh, what what are they? <laughs> Near death, death, after death, and life. Oh, okay. In that order, I assume. In that yeah, order. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. it could it could work in other. If you if you started at life and then went to near death. Mm. And that, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of, yeah. you know, it what depends I mean? on your mood for the day. You yeah, could exactly. just listen to one side if you want. To. Right. You right. can listen to death and just keep listening to death. Right. That's what we're all gonna do. Yeah, we're all <laughs> just, just, just listen to the death. Yeah, the, it's the very goth, apropos of the time. Yes. Yeah, the goth in you will listen to that. Right, right. Um, well, there has always been kind, almost kind of like a a throwback gothy vibe to your music. I mean, there's kind of like a noir kind of feel to a lot of what you guys do. So I think that sort of fits in. Yeah, I was I mean, a hardcore goth when I was young. That doesn't really shock me, though. <laughs> okay. yeah. You can see yeah. you can see the influence. You can hear the influences of like you know '80s and '90s goth rock and sort of dark, you know, kind of not really metal, but sort of that more moody rock music kind of on your on yeah. your aesthetic. Um. So yeah. with Let's a record, then peace punks back then. 
<laughs> oh really <laughs> i've never heard that yeah i know it's kind of like well i don't know maybe i, I don't know if that one's persisted I, I guess not i maybe not around here i haven't heard it <laughs> <laughs> um so then with a record that is at least rooted in in a lot of personal introspection and personal experience um do you start with the words or are you a band that creates the music first and then you kind of add words to it music first okay. all the time yeah yeah i mean i i i usually have to write words to fit the music but augie has this amazing way of she writes a lot of poetry and she has an amazing way of taking the poems that she's written and making them the lyrics and I, I've tried to do, I mean, I used to be able to do that, but I'm, uh, I, I think maybe I've just kind of run out of material, <laughs> <laughs> but Augie's really good at that. So I did a lot of writing. I, I mean, we were always write the music first and put the lyrics on after, but it would be, you know, it would be me sitting there, you know, mumbling things to sort them out. But when Augie puts hers down, she's looking through her, her books to like, Mm. find 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 things that fit so so cool our, thing, i was just gonna say so are olga songs by her and jay songs are by you not always okay. i mean sometimes just that i think the only like the ones usually that i'm singing those are my lyrics mm -hmm. usually and that like you know same same with jay's usually okay. yeah but not always though yeah yeah i mean a lot of times it's like even with the songs that are written too it's like sometimes the song will get written but one of us won't have an idea for where to put a vocal so mm. we'll just give it over to the other person to figure out so you two sort of combine your strengths so so to speak pretty much combine yeah. the force yeah or maybe or that's pass, what I meant. <laughs> or, or or pass the buck <laughs> yeah hey, i can't i can't finish this one why don't you just do it um so when was this album done was it completed over quarantine or was it ready before quarantine it was finished uh uh quite a bit before quarantine well i mean it was technically finished like in january of last year uh, this oh, wow. year sorry. this year sorry january oh, of this year yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Yeah. Why... So it wasn't. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it wasn't like three years ago that you've been sitting nope. on this. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did have a lot of the material. Like we played some shows, like in. Uh, uh, I think that was year. February of last year, of uh, the year before, like last February, not this February that just passed, yeah. but the one before. Yeah. We had played some shows with the new songs that oh, we okay. had, that we had, they had been completed but not mixed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that was, maybe that was, anyway, we had never done that before either. We always play the songs after they have been, after they have been recorded and mixed and, you know, about two weeks before they get released and we go on tour, we have to learn the songs yeah. that, we, that we've made in the studio. So this record, because we had had them sitting around and we finally had figured out the sequence and which songs we were going to use um we uh someone offered us a show and and we thought that'd be a cool idea to do that since we'd never done it before did that change anything for you guys once you got into the studio that you had already kind of road tested them a little bit yeah for me in a way it kind of made me uh it kind of and i'd never realized this before and this is probably super obvious to other musicians who do it this way but it really makes you understand how uh certain sections feel and work with a band towards an audience like i mean it's, it's just me saying that makes it it's like okay mr obvious <laughs> of course it does but i mean it's when you're performing it you know i remember thinking wow it's this is this is why people play songs before they record them because they figure out oh is this you know this maybe pacing doesn't work or mm -hmm. you know this guitar line kind of grates against this other part but it's fine on the record and i mean nothing really came, came up like everything felt 
quite good when we played it, which was awesome to me. Uh, there's a few songs that we've written over the past that or in the past that have, uh, have proven difficult to, to perform live. I can't remember what they are at this point, but that's, you know, they, that's because that, I mean, that's a byproduct of us, you know, making the, making the records and figuring it out after the fact and, you know, not really thinking too much about how to perform it live. Mm. Um, you guys, it should be said for those who don't know, um, we mentioned your studio earlier, uh, Break Glass Studio in Montreal. Have you, it's, I think I saw you've recorded all but your first Besnard Lakes record there. Is that correct? Yes. Or something the, to, some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the first record was done in a, a, a shoebox studio that we kind of had. Uh, and after that, we had moved to Break Glass. But before that, it wasn't, yeah, it was kind of, ramshackled together <laughs> so you with access to your own studio and your own kind of engineering ideas and aesthetics how has your relationship with the studio changed over the years being in the studio I think I think for me I've tried with Besnard, there was a moment. There was a moment where we we were adding, you know, trying to add more and add more and add more. And then there was a moment, uh, and this even applies to when I'm producing other bands or working with other bands um, or mixing. Is there came a point where I started to kind of strip away things and try to find, you know the essence of what makes the song cool and all the other things or, or work even and all the other frills and gimmicks that you're trying to add to make the song work are just deterrents and maybe in a way they're um uh they're they're actually messages to you saying this song isn't working mm. <laughs> <laughs> so i we there was there's kind of an arc where we kind of went minute you know like the first records are sort they're they're long you know the songs are still long uh but there's there's not a, a ton of instrumentation it's not minimal but it's not you know you can it's not super dense roaring night is the same and then you know our uh, dark horse is the same uh, density sort of as volume one is and then roaring night gets a little bit more dense and then um UFO is super dense and Coliseum is, is pretty dense. We're starting to pull it back a bit, you know, and this one is like, it has density, but I feel like there's the only really the essential parts are there. Mm -hmm. There aren't really a lot of frills and gimmicks in the, on, on this album, just for the sake of it being there. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you two feel like you sort of thrive in the studio? Do you really enjoy being in the studio? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean love playing live too but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. oh those days oh those days <laughs> oh the salad days yeah those days. Yeah. yeah i love the studio to me is like my uh you know some people uh some people do jigsaw puzzles uh some people mm -hmm. do paintings you know just to calm themselves down or whatever uh i like the studio i i can if especially if i'm doing like my own you know, working on Besnard, uh, I can just go in there and just get lost for hours. And it's, mm. I just, I still have lots of fun doing it. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, as much as it can be frustrating, it's kind of very relaxing for me as well. I mean, it's a thing that I realized at a very young age that it was something that uh, was, you know, therapeutic, I guess you could say in the end. Uh, I just re really had a lot of fun doing it and realized that it was something that I didn't want to stop doing. And I would, I tried everything in my nth power to create a, a life where it, it could be continued that I do this, you know, it's an, you know, it's, it's a tough, you know, hobby or profession to continue to do, you know, like if, if painting makes you happy, you can just buy some paints. Yeah, that's true. Want, but in order to like record music and 
put records out, it's, you know, it's, you have to buy lots of gear and, you know, you, you, you can always, if you're, if you want to buy an expensive tube of paint or a really cool brush, then you can. But if you want to buy like a pedal steel guitar, so you can sound like, you know, Graham old Parsons, country music. Yeah. <laughs> Good old you know, country. then, you know, you, you need to save up some money to do it. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, I'm feel like I'm been, I feel very lucky that, you know, we've been able to continue to do this and that we have, you know, the means to, to do it. And, you know, we've kind of set our, our house up here in a way that, you know, we can be creative when we want to and, and not creative when we don't want to. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's kept us happy and, and content, I think. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, least, uh, it, it's good that you you don't get disillusioned with it after the years. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, we have. I mean, I think that the disillusionment comes from uh, the industry, and and we've had such a nice. I feel like we've had a pretty nice go of the industry. You know, we've had like, you know, great support over the years. You know, with everybody that we've worked with, and we haven't had. You know, I've. I, I know people who musicians who have, you know, had bad experiences with, you know, people that they've worked with in the past and, you know, bad tours and lost lots of money. And, you know, we, we've, we've just been, you know, very transparent with the way that we deal with people and, and, and searched out people who work in the same way. So mm -hmm. in, in that sense, I think it's, it, it, it's really helped us. We also made it really, um, important that we understand everybody's job and so i mean back in the early days like we were the managers we put out the record our, ourselves and we knew how you know how, how to manufacture them and how to do the artwork and you know what publishing was so we figured all that stuff out in the early days so that when we speak to people who are taking who are taking the record and you know working with it we understand what they're going to be doing with it and there's no sort of secrets I think that's a really good thing to know though. Like the fact that you guys have gone through in those early days, the hustle of really needing to wear so many hats, you know, it kind of gives you, I think you or any musician who goes through that a, a better perspective later on when you do, hopefully when you're hopefully fortunate enough to not have to wear all those hats at the same time. Yeah. And it also makes it so when you select someone to take that job over, uh, you know exactly what you need from that person. So they can't, mm. if they, it's impossible for them to take advantage of you because you know exactly, you know, what, what you need from them. And it, in the flip side, it's like, we would never have hired anybody who we thought may have taken advantage of us because we were at that point at where we could see through all of it because we knew what was required. Yeah. We didn't need someone to blow smoke up our asses to, you know, say how, you know, know i can get you this or i can do that for you we that wasn't a concern for us we needed someone to like carry some of the workload for us because we had been you know managing and and uh ourselves for like it took us years i don't think we found management until one two three four albums in 2012 2013 we were self-managed so like dealing dealing with all the promoters on our own uh, like we had, I'm not, sorry, not promoters, like we had booking agents, but like dealing with them, booking all the tours, doing all the accounting on our own. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, we had uh, the label obviously who was taking care of <laughs> all, all the manufacturer, thank God. But, you know, we recorded and mixed and, you know, made our all, all our own records and, and didn't have to, you know, never, we've never dealt with you know, external mixers or engineers or producers. And we've kind of, we've done it all on our own. So yeah, it's made it, you know, we have a really nice group of people now who help us out, which is, which helps a lot. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you guys, you guys are very, very much an independent rock band. And it seems like you kind of always have been. DIY, baby. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so why maybe this is a silly question, but why release now? Like, why are you not waiting? Cause I know so many people I think are waiting. Why release an album like during a pandemic? I don't know. I, 
I guess part of it, <laughs> part of it is, I mean, when this, I, I think when, I mean, I think it's just straight up logistics. I think when we had made the decision that we were going uh, to release this record, uh, all the labels came together and said, this is the date that feels right. And I think that date was decided kind of in like the first part of March, oh, okay. just before the shit hit the fan. Yeah. So at that point we were kind of, you know, we had talked about waiting, but <clears throat> the labels, excuse me, the labels are still, uh, you know, they still have a, a plan. They still need to release stuff. And uh, people are still putting out records during this whole thing. And I feel like if there's been some small blessings in disguise to do with this whole lockdown thing. I mean, the, the general consensus is it's a horrible thing, but there have been some, you know, silver linings in this, you know, mm -hmm. people working from home is one. And I'm kind of just wondering what this might do. Like maybe, may, maybe people will, because they're at home all the time, maybe they will put the whole, a whole, maybe they will put a record on and listen to it all the way through because yeah, they didn't, true. they couldn't do that before because they got a, they got to get up and get ready for work. But if they're at home, maybe before they actually step into their, you know, office, it, that's their converted spare bedroom. <laughs> they're running around making their breakfast and having a shower in the morning and they've got a record on it and they're listening to it from front to back, mm -hmm. which is what we've always wanted people to do. But maybe they just, no one's had the time, but mm -hmm. maybe things are really slowing down you know i mean yeah. we, we we lead a we try to lead a slow life also you know we 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 don't try to bear ourselves down with too much and and you know just do as much as we can and try not to be su super stressed about it but um maybe maybe this is a byproduct of that so you know in in that sense we didn't really fight about having the record put out when it was we were like yeah let's let's just throw caution to the wind. You know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter in the end because we weren't even sure the record was ever going to get picked up by a label or yeah. put out anyway. Yeah. So we're just happy that it's going to be out there. Yeah. Plus it's kind of like, isn't it like, it's even more pertinent for there to be like music and art during really shitty times, right? Yeah, it's, it, it serves a, a different, a secondary purpose now. Mm-hmm. I forget yeah. who I was talking to about that recently, just kind of like how, why wait when people might really need music right now? Yes, I think, I, I think so, you know, like, I think like so I was too. saying, it's like, it gives, it, you know, if you're, especially if you're home all, all day long, you know, like people need distractions, they need, you know, it, it, it can't take the place of a social interaction, but it's, it's something that, you know, we're, in what we're creating, we're trying to reach out to people. So in a way, mm -hmm. it's sort of an indirect, you know, social interaction. Well, yeah, you get to put it out and sort of see maybe more than usual kind of how it's received because everyone is kind of experiencing it the same way this time. It's through the album. It's not necessarily through catching you on a show or catching a tour, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Are there... Um, are there pl any plans to tour if that becomes a possibility? Yeah. This album? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we booked a tour for uh, this next month, uh, for February, <laughs> which was ready to rumble in, uh, right. and as it came into April and, and May, we realized that that was not a reality. So mm -hmm. we pushed and now we're pushing for uh, September. Okay. Of, of next year which i feel is probably going to be the craziest rush of bands trying to get into the remaining uh, uh music venues that have survived i know that we've maybe ever seen oh my god so I know, it's gonna it's gonna be very strange it's gonna be wild i i mean another possible silver lining that i've thought about though is like maybe it will kickstart uh, 
uh, live give a, a bit of a downturn in people going out to see like live rock bands a little bit, you know, like the festivals were kind of eating up yeah. the venue play mm. true um and maybe this will be people will just be so excited to go outside again and like go around <laughs> maybe it'll actually kickstart, you know uh, uh another little bit of a you know resurgence in people going out and going to venues and like small clubs and you know seeing their community and experiencing a show together yeah that would be nice yeah i hope so i, yeah, know, I hope so too that would be um, the ideal <laughs> yeah um <laughs> You know, Connecticut is a pretty small state and we're right next to New York. So people usually just tour New York and then like ignore us. Course, but over the yeah. um, past, I don't know, five or six years, um, we have some really, really good um, concert booker, promoter people in the state that have gotten more and more people to come in. And now I'm just like worried that the smaller areas like us will start to fall off the map again. But hopefully what you're saying comes true and there is kind of this like newfound you know desire to go out to these places yeah I yeah. mean it's tough like the it's like you say like if the venues are still around you know like mm -hmm. it's it's been it's been really hard for for a, a lot of venues just to find ways you know to stay alive through all this so I mean, we've lost a few really amazing venues over the last few months. So let's hope that something can happen to get either get them kickstarted again, or you know, uh, you know, save them, save them from the wrecking ball. I know. I was. We were really hoping that there'd be some sort of money coming in for smaller businesses like venues, but that never seemed to happen. No. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I know that. You know, uh, it's that's uh, a lot. Of, it's a lot of money, but I mean, we're up up here. We're getting, uh, you know, small businesses, arts, community. Like we're getting subsidized. The government is helping us through all know, of this yeah. because obviously they know. Like even even musicians are getting uh, have been rolled into EI, which mm -hmm. is unheard of. You know, because they know that you know professionally we'd be we'd be working and earning our keep, but you know, in this situation, we're, we're not so. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like, I know that, you know, capitalism and, you know, like survival of the fittest and all that, but this is so far out of their control, you know, it's not well, like, it, yeah, it you really know, it's is, not like their business failed. It's just like, oh, there was a global pandemic, you know, it's, I think that's so different. <laughs> yeah. no, I feel yeah, like yeah. they deserve, they deserve help now is more, maybe more than ever. Yeah. They, like, I mean, what are they supposed to do? I mean, rest like restaurants. It's like and uh, you know bars and like you know and live venues. It's, these are the these are the places that rely on 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 socializing and and community mm -hmm. and and they're just they're just dying. You know, it's like they are trying to figure out ways to to stay alive. I mean, here for a while they had they had built uh, like Montreal has this great like outdoor summer vibe going on and they a lot of the the bars when they when they opened up again uh they had just put terraces outside like built like wooden decks like out on the out on the sidewalks mm. and and the city just let them do it so they can try to 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 make some of their their money in the summer by you know people can be social distancing outside in chairs and you know but uh i mean winter's coming here <laughs> you can't do that you know yeah. much longer so it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens i know i'm the winter is gonna it's just gonna bring a whole bunch of new challenges so yeah keep our fingers crossed i guess yeah um so just so we don't end on a negative <laughs> such a negative it's a goth episode come it's on right. it's sure sure be. sure no, i know no, my logo is like bright yellow i should probably make it like black for this, this <laughs> Um, but no, just so we don't end on talking about COVID, um, I like, I've been liking asking people what are some of their, um, like favorite things they've found during the pandemic, like music or art or, or film or anything like that. Well, we had a really amazing garden this year. That works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I know I was interviewing. Uh, I mean, um, we also we grew all because we weren't sure that. No, go ahead. <laughs> we uh we weren't sure that we were going to be able to buy seats. Oh yeah. This year because we weren't sure that any of the uh, uh stores were actually going to open. Or that the park. Or the farms were going to allow people to come on the farm. Like we had, there's a mm -hmm. farm down the street that we usually go and get our seeds from, but we weren't sure he was even allowed to have people in his greenhouse. So, so we just found whatever we usually buy, like starts, like the, the, well, they're, they're actually like started plants. Right. But we, we were out and we found a bunch of seeds. And so we started growing from seed this year for the first time ever. And we grew a whole bunch of stuff uh you know that a lot some of it didn't come up at all and <laughs> but we were able to sort of figure out like what you know as in a really great like field experiment we were able to figure out what what grows best where on our land and mm -hmm. yeah. and uh and you know that we should not grow broccoli or cauliflower here <laughs> in this climate <laughs> well, it gets too hot. It needs cooler temperature. Yeah. Really? And the, bit, and the corn keeps getting eaten by the raccoons. Oh, that's no. why they have scarecrows. See, that's another <laughs> thing I learned. They, you have to have scarecrows. Yeah, <laughs> why? Because then they, they think someone's there, so they don't come, right? I guess so. I mean, nothing, not, no, there are, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, no other parts of our garden got eaten by animals this year, but the corn got absolutely mangled like wow. they eat it from the stock and then if we're at the bottom of the stock and it just falls over like they don't <laughs> take a little piece of the corn or like nibble at the niblets they just take they bite into the stock and they just yeah. it's like chopping the, the thing down yeah they are they're basically beavers of corn yeah who i don't know what is this raccoon <laughs> yeah i did not know whatever. that but it was really hard we had like six six great corn stalks that were growing uh, this year and they just they the the animals just slowly started taking bites out of them and by the end they had all just fallen over and died so so you didn't you didn't get to enjoy any of your homegrown corn nope not a wow. single Nada. yeah so next year i'm gonna build like the fort knox of uh of corn patches <laughs> with chicken wire and Scarecrow's uh, big, galore. scary scarecrow dressed in old, some of Augie's old goth clothing, <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna and we're gonna stick stake that in the ground and hope that our corn survives. Yeah, get rid of those fucking raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can end on corn. I like that. That's a better. Yeah, let's end on corn. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Thank you, Jason Olga. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks new, for having thank us. The new album comes out January 19th. It is called Besnard Lakes Are the Last of the Great Thunderstorm Warnings. I hope everyone checks it out. I The new, the first single, I have, that's all I've heard, Raindrops. Really good. So I'm really looking forward to the rest. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good rest of your evening, guys. You, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.